Welcome to the Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McNew. I love cocktails and I love the macabre. So every week I'm bringing you a cocktail recipe in history and some ghost stories. So let's get ready to get lit and get scared. Welcome back, my babies. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope you're imbibing and enjoying your day. A drinking holiday on a Friday, what could be better? So cheers, we're going to talk about some St. Patty's Day history and lore today, and also on today's Bourbon Daily Show that I also co-host, Kathy Cool shared some fun St. Patrick's Day facts, so go listen to that too, it's in the small talk segment, I mean, like listen to the whole show, it's fun. Um, I'm not going to overlap here too much, I wasn't sure if I was going to dive into a cocktail today because all I could think of was an Irish car bomb. And if I promoted this show with that in the title, it probably would have gotten flagged on all my socials for community standards. So, you know, I just put Jameson in the title to save myself all that frustration and having my accounts blocked. (laughs) So I will share some Irish car bomb history with you in the recipe, but Jameson is also my go-to for St. Patrick's Day whiskey. so So I want to talk about that too. And I guess I could also talk about Irish coffee, but that's not really my jam. So just pour some Baileys into your coffee today if you're into that and call it a day. I'm not jumping into that. It doesn't interest me. So anyways, let's get into some Jameson history first. I think most whiskeys have an interesting history and story behind them. Like after all, I am a bourbon girl and part of the fun there is learning about the distilleries themselves. Jameson Brand and Distillery was founded in 1780 by John Jameson. Jameson decided his product would be distilled three times, and Jameson Whiskey is still triple distilled to this day following his process. Three is also how many years Irish whiskey has to be aged in oak casks to be called Irish whiskey by law. But unlike bourbon, they do not have to be in brand new casks. Jameson specifically uses used bourbon barrels from the United States and wine barrels from Spain. I'm not big on Irish whiskeys, but if I had to drink one, I'm always going to go with Jameson. It just tastes like a little cleaner to me. It it doesn't really taste like bourbon at all. It's not sweet like that. For being such an old distillery, Jameson doesn't have a huge portfolio, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think some distilleries like really try to stretch themselves thin with, oh my gosh, we got to like saturate the market with product and they're making shitty products. Jameson isn't doing that. Their portfolio includes the original Jameson Irish Whiskey, Jameson Black Barrel, Jameson Caskmate Stout Edition, Jameson Caskmate IPA Edition, Jameson Cold Brew, and Jameson Orange. And let me tell you, I took a shot of Jameson Orange in Key West and literally wanted to die. (laughs) It was rough for me. I don't like oranges though, so I don't know why I thought that would have been a good idea. I really should have known better. They definitely captured the orange flavor in that one though. It's probably a great product if you like oranges. It is not for me. (laughs) They also have a few ready to drink options like Jameson lemonade in a can, Jameson and cola in a can, and Jameson ginger and lime in a can. I really do like the ginger and lime one. I had that one in Key West too, and it is not bad at all for a ready to drink canned cocktail. Okay, so let's do a quick recipe for the Irish car bomb, which apparently we're not calling them that anymore. Irish Slammer or Dublin bomb is being used as a more politically correct name. (laughs) Um, And if you have to ask why saying Irish car bomb is offensive, your high school history class truly failed you. There was conflict in Ireland from the 1960s through 1998, known as the Troubles in Northern Ireland, in which there were many car bombings, many that injured or killed innocent people. There was an Irish comedian that likened ordering an Irish car bomb 
to an, in an Irish bar to ordering something called a Twin Towers in, a, in an American bar. So just think about that impact that you know 9-11 had on us. These troubles had that impact on Ireland. So it's just a hurtful, tragic part of their country's history. So like maybe let, let's not make a fun drink about it, okay? But if you do want one, let's call it an Irish Slammer so it's easy to make. It's just a shot glass that's half Jameson, half Bailey's, and you drop it into a three-fourths full pint glass of Guinness beer, and then you chug it. That is what it is. That's the bomb. That's a lot of liquid to chug at one time, and they are 100% not for me, but they look fun for other people. I've never seen anybody having a bad time when they have one. They might start having a bad time once they have five, but they do look fun. I just, I can't do beer anyway, and it just looks like a lot. Uh, this simple recipe was created in 1979 in Wilson's Saloon in Norwich, Connecticut by bar owner Charles Burke Cronin Oak. So we're going to take a quick break and I will be right back with some St. Patrick's Day lore. did you know I have a new book out? It's called Drinking with the Stars, Cocktails for the Zodiac. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a fun little book that pairs a cocktail with each zodiac sign. So inside is a little blurb about your star sign and then the cocktail I think best pairs with it. It's really fun to go through and make these cocktails. So check it out. It's available on Amazon and I can post a link in the show notes. Cheers. And I'm back. Let's start with some St. Patrick's Day history. And where better to start than with who was St. Patrick anyways? According to Wikipedia, sometime around the 5th century, Patrick was born in Roman-ruled Britain. The exact year is unknown. His father was a tax collector and his grandfather a deacon. When Patrick was 16, he was kidnapped by Irish pirates and brought to Ireland to be a slave. He was in captivity for six years and his job was to be a shepherd. In his confession, the confession of St. Patrick, he credits this time of his life with strengthening his connection to God. After six years, Patrick claims to have heard a voice tell him his time there was almost over and to flee to the sea. So he did. Patrick left his captors and walked to a port over 200 miles away. Once there, he pleaded with a ship captain until he agreed to let him board. The ship was headed towards Britain. After leaving the ship, he and the group he left the ship with wandered for 28 days in the wilderness where they were close to starving. He prayed for food and had ended up among a herd of wild boars. This happened after the group was feeling down and Patrick urged them to put their faith into God. Since they soon came to a food source, his status among the group rose. Shortly after he returned home from this trek, he claims to have heard a voice that called him back to Ireland to bring its people Christianity. Patrick then became a missionary heading back to Ireland, but he apparently rubbed people the wrong way because he would not accept gifts of jewelry or money from kings, nobles, or women for his baptism services. So yeah, people wanted to pay like missionaries for when they baptized their children or whatever. They kind of believed it, I don't know, made, made it stick, made it better. And he accepted no money. And people were like, oh, you're weird. We don't trust you. They were very odd about him at first. It's said that he explained the Holy Trinity to the Irish by using the three-leaf clover, which were plentiful in that area, one leaf to represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Patrick died on March 17th, 461 in Saul, which is where he built his first church. He died in poverty and was never officially canonized as a saint, but he was considered the official apostle of Ireland. 
The Feast of St. Patrick was recognized as March 17th, which is why we now celebrate St. Patrick's Day on that day every year which we celebrate in America with parades, dyeing the Chicago River green, drinking green beer to excess, and just general debauchery. Literally think St. Patrick's probably would have hated. <laughs> I like to celebrate with a few Jameson shots and watching the Boondock Saints. Sometimes I'll throw in like that old Leprechaun movie, which terrorizes me because I watched it way too young because my dad let us kind of do whatever we wanted while my mom was at work. But I like to watch those. They're just like nostalgic and I don't know it just kind of became a tradition for me I hate crowds I hate organized bar crawls and parades it's just a lot of energy and not my jam just a lot of people so I prefer to you know get lit on my couch stay at home stay safe I don't have to worry about driving home <laughs> so let's get into some other lore shall we or just Irish folklore like why are four-leaf clovers considered lucky and it's simply because they're considered rare three-leaf clovers are a dime a dozen like you can walk into any yard or field and find just a ton of them it's believed by some folks that four-leaf clovers are loved by fairies to let you know that you're coming into some luck. Which brings me to fairies. The fae, the fair people, are apparently all over Ireland, and there's tons of lore about them, so much so that they could have their own episode, and they will in a few weeks. The fae aren't all friendly, cute little things we mistake them for. They're quite often tricksters, and we should be careful taking gifts from them but I'll get into more of that in a couple weeks. And the Fae also used to replace children with changelings, which, you know, like they would steal a baby and then replace that baby with a fairy baby, and the, which was the changeling. And that thing would like cry and be terrible and throw fits. It wasn't the baby. It wasn't the original baby. They like to steal humans. So they're mischievous little devious things. And I'm very interested in them. We're going to talk about them in a couple weeks, though. I'm not going to squeeze them all into this episode. But they are a perfect segue for us to talk about what's become like a mascot for St. Patty's Day, the leprechaun. Leprechaun literally translates from Old Irish, meaning little body, and they are short little things. Leprechauns are a type of fairy, but I often think of them more similar to elves. They traditionally have been solitary, living alone, working as a cobbler. Like, they make shoes. Elves make toys. I think of them more of, like, the elf on the fairy family tree. The leprechaun is said to always have a pot of gold that he keeps hidden at the end of a rainbow. So people would try to capture him in hopes of making him tell them how to get to that pot of gold. But he's a little trickster, and he could usually distract his captors to escape and rehide his gold somewhere else. Leprechauns often get mistaken for their more troublesome cousin, the Cluricon. The Cluricon is a drunken little thing known to, known to be able to clear out an entire wine cellar if they find their way in at night. I would be so mad at these things. Like, if you came in my bar and drank all my whiskey and wine at night, like, the Cluricon, me and you are going to fight, friend. <laughs> Don't drink my alcohol. <laughs> Leprechauns are known for pinching people just because they can't, like they're mischievous. And it's said if you wear green, they can't see you. Apparently green is invisible to them. And throughout history, they were often depicted as wearing red. And just throughout time, they got green thrown on them because probably Americans did it. We're like, oh, green is Irish. Why is that leprechaun wearing red? So we made all of our leprechauns green, but apparently they can't see green. So if they can't see you, they can't pinch you. And that's why we wear green on St. Patty's Day so the leprechauns can't pinch us. Leprechauns don't historically have much to do with St. Patrick's Day except that they're related to fairies and we relate fairies to Ireland. This is really more of a thing Americans tied together, just like green beer. The Irish don't really do green beer either. Americans just kind of appropriated the holiday and made up all these traditions. 
The Irish really do none of these on St. Paddy's Day. Dublin has a parade and festival, but that's really as far as they go. They don't like dress up and be drunk and idiots like we do. And you might be wondering, why are the Irish said to be so lucky? It's a country that's had several wars and famines. Irish immigrants were treated terribly when they came to to America as well. So why would we consider them a lucky people? It really goes back to the gold rush days. Some of the most successful and famous miners were Irish or Irish American, and their gold fortunes led to the term luck of the Irish. So the more you know, I thought that was a fun tidbit. I'm going to wrap this one up today, guys. I will be back next week with the history of the cosmopolitan and then some famous occultists. I have a whole list of old creepy dudes that we are going to take a look into. I find them all fascinating. Should be fun. Until then, enjoy your St. Patty's Day. Give us a like, review, and a follow on Instagram at Highly Spirited Podcast. Cheers.